Hi, Gary Zacharias again with The Apologist Bookshelf. Let me introduce you to a fairly new book by Nancy Piercy. Uh, she wrote something called Total Truth years ago, and I enjoyed that. I think the first time I encountered her, she wrote a book with Chuck Colson. It was called How Now Shall We Live? And uh, she, she's an amazing author, a, tr a terrifically interesting person. She was uh, actually hailed by The Economist magazine as a, quote, America's preeminent evangelical Protestant female intellectual. That's a mouthful, but she deserves that title. I would I'd get rid of the female intellectual. I think she's just a, an intellectual, does a terrific job. She's been uh, at Biola and their Tory Honors Institute at one time. She's now professor of apologetics, scholar in residence at Houston Baptist University. Uh, she's written uh, gold medallion award-winning books, Total Truth, The Soul of Science. That was another good one. Saving Leonardo and Finding Truth. This one is called Love Thy Body. Love Thy Body. Subtitle, Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality. It gets uh, really good write-ups. And uh, I just want to tell you what it's talking about on the book's cover, just to give you an idea. It says, we've got this pervasive hostility, they say, to the body and biology. It drives headline stories today. So here's some of the areas. Transgenderism. It says activists detach gender from biological sex. Kids down to kindergarten are being taught their bodies are irrelevant. Is that affirming or does it demean the body? Then there's homosexuality. Advocates disconnect sexuality from biological identity. Is this liberating or does that denigrate biology? How about abortion? Supporter, supporters deny the fetus is a person even though it's biologically human. Is that equality for women or does it threaten the value of all humans? And so she starts looking at the dehumanizing worldview that's out there today. And so I wanted to take just one chapter. It's a long chapter, so I probably won't be able to finish the whole thing. But it's about the hookup culture. And she says it's being glamorized these days. Uh, just having sex with anybody you want and not having a real relationship, not being tied down, quote-unquote. But the people today don't know really how to have a, a true relationship. She said you may not realize how soulless the hookup culture is. Now, it says it can be any level of physical involvement from kissing to intercourse. But it says the key to it is don't become emotionally attached. So it's no relationship. It's no commitment, no exclusivity. You just have the experience. You walk away as if it didn't happen. And so she's saying what's happening here is it's encouraging young people to disassociate their bodies sexually from who they are as whole persons. It, it really devalues the body. And she says, young people desperately need to hear the biblical ethic framed in positive terms, not just saying, oh, don't do that, uh, no sex outside of marriage, stop that, don't think about that. She said, we've got to teach them that the biblical ethic actually overcomes what she calls the two-story divide. So I want to talk about that in just a second. So she says there's this two-story divide, and the biblical ethic reintegrates body and person. So she says, what she means by that is you think of a line being drawn, a horizontal line. Up on the top, it's a two-story concept here. Up on the top is personal, underneath that line, physical. So the, the two-story is up on top. Personal means mental and emotional relationships. Down below the line is physical, that's sexual relationships. So she says young people assume when they have uh, rela sexual relations, it's just physical. That's the lower story. 
totally disconnected from the mind and the emotions, which is the upper story. And she says, sexual intercourse, which is the most intimate of bodily relations, has been disconnected from personal relations. She says, sexuality is treated not as a complete expression of our selfhood, but just an instrument for physical release and recreation. And she's, uh, I guess, done some studies and gotten some comments back from students. And it says they have meaningless sexual encounters, and they're finding them really disappointing. It says even Miley Cyrus was reported as saying this. I'm, I'm just going to leave part of the word blank. You'll know what I'm talking about. But this is Miley Cyrus. Effing is easy. You can find someone to F in five seconds. We want to find someone we can talk to and be ourselves with. That's fairly slim pickings. Isn't that interesting to hear that from somebody who's, in a sense, promoting the very thing that she says doesn't work very well. And she says, actually, with students who try to have these hookup um, appointments, don't realize what it's doing to them. And then they are getting emotions involved, but they want to, they want to subdue those somehow. They try to suppress them. It says they often turn to alcohol. And again, she's, I guess, read some reports on this. As many students admit that getting drunk is the only way they can go through with having sex with people they don't like or even know. Isn't that something? It says, regardless, this is, she's reporting what somebody said, regardless of what students brag about or tell their friends, most are terrible at shutting out the emotional dimensions of sexual intimacy. So the hookup culture gives us an inadequate conception of what humans really are. And there's that contradiction that what they think and what the reality is are two different things. She says that contradiction provides an opening. We can make the case that the secular view is flawed. See, that's what we need to get back to for all of these social things, whether it's transgenderism or homosexuality or same-sex marriage, or in this case, just the way sex is being conducted, that we can see that the secular view in every case is flawed. It's wrong. It's harmful. And so we as Christians, I think we need to state the positives of our view, the good that it does, as opposed to, oh, don't do that. Well, let's go to uh, the next part of her chapter here. She talks about uh, Peter Singer of Princeton. He says, sex raises no unique moral issues at all. So for him, the act of sex is amoral. It has no moral significance well, that's kind of sad. It just says sexuality is one-dimensional. It's just a physical urge. And she says, you know, some people think that this sexual hedonism that's going on is playing up sex too much, giving it too much importance. But she says, really, what it's doing is giving sex too little importance. It says it, She says it's just treating the body as if it's just a physical organism, and that's all. So as somebody once reported, you, if you're going to conduct this hookup culture in the right way to, to, to do it and, and make it work for you, you have to accept that your body is not you. It's just a shell or a juicy robot, the real you, the disembodied ghost controls. And then she talks about uh, sex education courses. It says sex ed courses focus just on the physical dimension, the body parts and the health risks and how to avoid pregnancy and the mechanics of sex. She says, but these programs don't teach how to form and maintain a relationship. And she reports on a UCLA psychiatrist, Miriam Grossman. She said uh, she was not permitted to counsel students in moral terms of right and wrong. 
And then she said uh, there was one freshman that talked to her, really depressed. She'd had a sexual encounter with a boy who just used her and then dropped her afterwards. And here's what the girl said to the doctor. Why, doctor, why do they tell you how to protect your body from herpes and pregnancy, but they don't tell you what it does to your heart? Isn't that a sad comment? It says uh, She says businesses and corporations sexualize kids younger and younger. And she said, so sad. The irony is that when young people experiment sexually, they're thinking that they're rebelling against an adult culture, but they're just following a script. That's what the adult culture is telling them to do. She says, impersonal sex is rarely satisfying. Humans can't help functioning as a combination of body and person. Remember that two-story illustration that she used. Piercy says, Christianity is often accused of being negative because of its teaching on sin and guilt. But she says it has a much more positive view of sexuality than the secular view. And somebody once said, the truth is you were created for something more. Your sexuality was never meant to be separated from your deepest spiritual and relational longings, but to be an expression of them. Then she has a section here on pornography. She says, uh, that's depersonalized sex. The viewer is disconnected from the, uh, disconnects the woman's body from any interest in who she is as a person. And she says, it's so sad. Porn is where many young people are getting their sex ed today. Young people are just being overwhelmed in sexual imagery but sexual intimacy is increasingly hard to achieve, she says. Even the Washington Post said porn is a public health crisis. 88% of the scenes that were analyzed of, of porn films, 88% of these films contain physical aggression. Most of the victims were, guess what, women. Piercy says the average age that a boy first encounters pornography, you want to guess this? What do you think? The average age that a boy first encounters pornography? Nine years old. She says by the time they're adult, they've just been consuming porn for more than a decade. What does that do with the relationship they have with real women? Well, Time Magazine reports many of these guys are unable to experience a sexual response with a real live woman. They're only able to respond to pornography. So talk talk about being disconnected from reality. When these men marry, they're shocked to discover that porn has destroyed their ability to relate to their spouse. They've, they've been trained to objectify the opposite sex. They don't know how to relate to a woman as a full person. I guess they did a study she's reporting on that uh, found that men who start watching porn after they marry are twice as likely to divorce. Watching porn shrinks the brain. It reduces neural activity. She says there's now, and by the way, she gives all sorts of footnotes, so you can look this up in the back of her book. It's just full of other places you can go to. There's now firm data that shows porn is addictive. It leads to violence. It destroys relationships. It feeds sex trafficking and prostitution. So don't ever let somebody tell you, well, that's just a, an innocent kind of thing. It's just somebody looking at a magazine or looking on a, his computer. No. Let me run through that list again. It's addictive. It leads to violence. It destroys relationships. It feeds sex trafficking and prostitution. She says, by the way, the next step down the way is robotic sex, in other words, with sex dolls. Futurists predict in 10 years, sex robots will become more popular than porn. The first sex doll brothel has already opened in Spain. And she said that is when you substitute people 
for, uh, I'm sorry, if you substitute machines for people, you've got the ultimate depersonalization there. Let me just do one more section because I think this is uh, interesting. This is the science of sex. She says, if you pick up any book that deals with sexuality, there'll be a huge section there about how hormones play a role. Oxytocin and vasopressin. Says scientists first learned about oxytocin uh, because it, it had something to do with childbirth, childbirth and breastfeeding. So the chemical is released when a mother nurses her baby, and it, in a sense, it stimulates an instinct to care and to nurture. Some people call it the attachment hormone. Well, they found out that oxytocin, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, scientists discovered that that same hormone is released during sexual intercourse, especially, not always, but especially in women. So even if you think you're having a no-strings-attached hookup, remember that hormone is going out there as a way to, to link the woman with the baby, but it's doing the same thing, the woman with the person she's having sex with. So you're really creating a chemical bond, whether you mean to or not, even if it's, quote, casual sex. Well, the same is true for men. The main neurochemical responsible for the male response is vasopressin. It's like oxytocin and has a similar emotional effect. It, it helps, helps guys bond with a woman with offspring. It's been called a monogamy molecule. That's interesting. One doctor says you might say we are designed to bond. So now think about that. So repeatedly hooking up with people you don't really care about, you're connecting with them on a hormonal level, and then you're breaking that connection. So it says you're breaking that bodily promise. It says no wonder breakups are so painful for a lot of people. They just get so cynical about it. Even when young adults want to marry, they have a harder time making a lasting commitment. Uh, really sad. There was a poll that she references here, almost half of millennials have given up the hope or even the desire for a monogamous relationship. Oh, that's that's so sad to hear. Her point is that the hookup culture is unraveling our social fabric. It produces what kinds of adults? Isolated adults, alienated adults. They just come together for some physiological release and then they go their own way. She says many people fail to learn how to form strong, resilient bonds so that you can establish a happy and, and fulfilling marriage and, and start your family. Pornography floods the... Here's some more stuff that goes on with chemistry. Pornography floods the brain with dopamine. It's a rush of chemicals that rewires the brain's reward pathway. It becomes kind of like a default setting, she says. So eventually the brain gets overwhelmed by the chemical overload and just shuts down some of its receptors. Well, what does that mean? Well... That means the porn viewer doesn't get the same high, and then you got to go to something a little harder to feel that same dopamine effect. So that's why it's addictive. So there's a little bit of the chemical part to it. Well, like I said, this is a long chapter, and I will leave it at this point. But again, the book is Love Thy Body, Nancy Piercy. I would highly recommend that. She covers, like I said, all sorts of different issues. Subtitle, Answering a Hard Question About Life and Sexuality. Um, let me just give you some ideas of the chapters here, some of the titles. The Joy of Death. That's interesting. Dear Valued Constituent. How the Homosexual Narrative Demeans the Body. Transgender. God Should Have Made Me a Girl. And then other things. But uh, that's a book that uh, I think everybody should read because the social issues are getting to be a big part 
of how Christianity has to wrestle with our society. We're buying in to a lot of these social things that are damaging to people. We're seeing wrecked lives because of it. Well, thank you for uh, joining me, and I uh, hope to have another podcast coming shortly. Thanks.